I would like to invite the rest of you to open your copy of God's indestructible word to the book of John will be in chapter 10 this morning, okay? So John chapter 10, as we can continue our series, we're calling I Am Yours, and it's a series on relationships, and so um, love just the, the beautiful children that uh, filled the stage and the intention of these parents to say, hey, we are we are going to raise our children in the wisdom and ways of God, and we're dedicating not only their lives to God, but we're dedicating ourselves to uh, live as godly parents by the grace of God. And so uh, thank you, church, for coming alongside and saying, hey, your kids are my kids. You know, like, like what happens to you happens to me. And so, yes, like I may not love uh, your children in the qualitatively same way that you love them, but I love them just the same. And I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to care for them. I might even provide some child care. Thank you. That's a great suggestion by Pastor Reddy. Um, so what we're like, the point is we're all in this together, right? And uh, I've asked one of our uh, parents, Monica Tofik, uh, to stay up here. Step forward a little bit, Monica. You know, not, you just, yeah, there we go. And uh, this is baby Noel. All right, and she is, I mean, just look how angelic, I love that little headband, but she's got the flowers up there, beautiful little girl. When was she born, Monica? Uh, December 12th. December 12th, okay? Lots of great people were born in December. Just, just saying. Noel and some other people I know, okay? So, um, Noel's just a, a beautiful baby girl, and I asked Monica to stay up here just for a couple of moments to help give you a picture of what love looks like, okay? So if you've been around children at all, you know that there is something special about a mother's presence, a mother's embrace, and a mother's arms. And you probably know, maybe you've had this experience before, um, I know I have, where You've seen a baby or a toddler, and when a stranger approaches them, perhaps in great excitement, what happens? The, the, baby, the baby goes to mom, right? The baby even maybe starts to cry. I mean, have you ever made a baby cry? Let's just have some, some moments of confession here today. Raise it up high. I want to see every hand. If you've made a baby cry, thank you. You're making me feel better today, all right? And so let me just encourage you here this morning. It's all about encouragement every day, okay? These babies aren't crying because you're mean or you're ugly or, you know, like they're, they're crying because they don't know you, right? And so when, when a baby is held in a mother's arms, hey, let's... Uh, Let's, hey, this little lady is hungry, so can we just give it up for Noel and Monica, and we're going to let them take care of what they need to take care of. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. She's so sweet. Um, when, a, uh, when, a, when a baby is held in a mother's arms, there, there's, there's something about that loving embrace that pushes out those feelings of vulnerability and insecurity, right? So, so safe in a mother's arms, there's this sense of loving comfort and loving protection. And it's with this picture in mind, I really appreciate Monica hanging out, and Noel did an amazing job uh, for just a, what, two-month-old, uh, two barely, uh, not even. Um, and so as we, we think about this picture, I want us to think about today how love secures, okay? Love secures. Last week, we un- 
came to understand that love says, I am yours and I am not going anywhere. We thought about how love stays. But today we're going to think about how love says, I am yours and I will protect you. I am yours and I will protect you. And I must like, just to kind of let you inside of the mind of a pastor, okay, um, if you would have asked me a year ago, like, hey, you have this relationship series coming up, like what are the top 10 topics that you're going to cover, okay, this sermon topic and this sermon text probably would not have made the top 10, just to be frank. But yet, when we think about what we're saying when we are saying, I am yours, I believe that this idea of the security of love has so much to teach us, not only as, yes, we relate to one another, but even as we relate to God. And so we're going to read from John chapter 10 this morning, a place where we see Jesus contrasting his loving care with the spiritual leadership of the religious leaders in his day. And what he's saying in, in John chapter 10 is that these other leaders, they are leading people astray. They don't really care for the people, but they're just kind of coming up with their own ways and they're having them follow their own uh, path. But Jesus says, look, no, I am the good shepherd. I care for my sheep. I lead my sheep where I know they need to go. And so I want to read these verses for us. You can follow along perhaps on your own Bible or on, on your Bible app on your phone. But we're going to read the first 18 verses of John chapter 10, okay? So follow along as I read these verses for us, okay? These are the words of Christ. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold, but, by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. 
and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. As we think about this idea of love securing us, I want to give us two simple encouragements this morning from John chapter 10, okay? The first is simply this. Rest secure in the comforting arms of love, all right? Rest secure in the comforting arms of love. The shepherd's loving presence brings great comfort to the sheep. And this comfort comes, I think, from two prominent, now maybe not just two, but at least two prominent places, okay? Number one, there is a known identity, right? Just like Noel with Monica. There is a known identity that leads to, listen, increasing intimacy. Let's think about identity first. Jesus says he is the good shepherd and his sheep belong to him. He calls the sheep his own in verse 3 and in verse 4. And so I want you to consider this morning, okay, no matter where you are in your journey through life, in your spiritual journey, okay, what the Bible tells us is that every person on the planet belongs to God because God created everything and everyone. But for those who are in Christ, okay, for those that have, that have seen who Jesus is and said, hey, I want to, to, to experience the life that you came to give me, this abundant life. I want your salvation. I want your peace. I want your love. I want your life. Then we not only belong to God by creation, but we also belong to God by redemption. And so if you are in Christ, you are, you are like doubly bought. You are doubly owned by God. You belong to him. But the second way we see this idea of identity is by Jesus saying, I call my sheep by name. He says this in verse 3. Look, look back. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep, what? By name, and leads them out. You see, we know each other by our names. Names identify. Names show a personal interest and awareness. I mean, we named our son Titus Storms, right? And there's so much in that, the meaning of that name. If you care, it's like September, the first sermon in September. You can go and listen all about his name, all right? But it's like, we, we have a personal interest in Titus. He belongs to us. We named him what we named him for very specific reasons. He belongs to us. And Jesus says, like, if you belong to me, then I know your name. You, you follow me. You hear my voice. And so I just want to say this today, and I, and I always try to be careful. Anything that I say, I want it to be accurate and biblical, okay? So, so what I'm about to say, I think is, I think is a, a good way to think about life, all right? But this is like, not, there's not a verse in the Bible that says this, okay? But, but I'm beginning to think that understanding our identity, 
is probably one of the most, two most important things about us. All right? Think about this. Understanding our identity is one of the two most important things about us, okay? And like, let, let me just break it down for you, okay? The first most important thing about us, in the words of A.W. Tozer, okay, a pastor uh, from like the 1950s Chicago, all right, he said that what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Yes, I agree with Tozer, okay? So like, we need to know who God is because our knowledge of God influences everything else about us. It influences the way we respond to him. It influences the way we respond to one another. It influences the way I'm a parent, a husband, a worker. It even influences the way I eat a steak. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like the knowledge of God influences everything. But then if I can turn a, a phrase from Tozer, I might say this, all right? The second most important thing about you is what comes into your mind when you think about you. The second most important thing about you is what comes into your mind when you think about you. Now, one depends on the other. Knowledge of God first, knowledge of self. This is why John Calvin, a great uh, church, uh, figure in church history, would say that true and sound wisdom consist in two parts, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of self. We need to know who God is. We need to know who we are. So the question is, who are we? Who are you? I mean, did you ever think about that? Like, like, who has God made you? It's like someone made in his image, made to reflect him, relational, creative, spiritual, moral. And the thing that I want you to walk away with today, I just pray that, I'm just praying, I'm praying only that God would just burn these words into our heart today. We are who he says we are. We are who we, he says we are. Listen, God has not hid his feelings about you. He just hasn't. God isn't playing hide and seek with us, okay? It's not, like, it's not a guessing game with God, okay? He tells us exactly how he feels about us. And so 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. And so the most important thing about me, the two favorite words in my life that sum up the whole, the whole essence of the Christian life, okay, are these two words, in Christ. If you are in Christ, then Christ is your identity. And the Apostle Paul talks about this in Ephesians 1, okay? I'm not going to have time to read it, and you can just maybe write in your notes, Ephesians 1, okay? In Ephesians 1, Paul writes to the faithful in Christ Jesus. And then he says that if you are in Christ, you have received every spiritual blessing in him. And you've been chosen in him. And you've been adopted in him. And you've been forgiven in Christ. And you've been lavished grace in Christ. You've been given an inheritance in Christ, redeemed in Christ, accepted in Christ, and we could keep going. This is just in the first 14 verses of Ephesians chapter 1. This is who we are. And so I hope today that you are in Christ. 
like that you've said, like, like Jesus is who he says he is. He is the son of God. He did die for me. He did rise again. And now my life is about him. I am in him. And so if you're in him today, just be encouraged. What else does, what else does this mean about you if you are in Christ? Well, Isaiah 62 verses 4 and 5 says this. But you shall be called, listen, you shall be called, my delight is in her, for the Lord delights in you. As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God shall rejoice over you. Like, is is that just on your radar? Like, you make God glad. He takes great joy in you. When he looks on you, he is really, really happy. Even to the point, you're not ready for this next part, even to the point of singing over you. I mean, I just read some of the verses of the Bible. It's like, God, I just like have a hard time believing that because I know how jacked up of a person I am. It's like, why would you take an interest in me, much less be excited and take, be glad in me, even to the point of singing? The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. God sings over you. So, so like song is the overflow of the soul, right? Like we sing when statements are not enough. And when God sings, he sings, I love that, loud. It's like this, this God is not ashamed of you. Oh, yeah, we may be ashamed of, of ourselves, but our God is not ashamed of us. Wow. Can I get some amens this morning? Are we, are we alive? Wow. I hope even if you're saying it quiet, like, wow. Sometimes I do that when somebody else, Pastor John, Pastor John, wow. Sometimes I get loud. Sometimes, we, you know, it's uncomfortable to get you don't have to say amen. All right, on top of that, we're not done. On top of that, he puts a sign over our head. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 4 says what? His banner over me was love. When you go into work tomorrow morning, love. When you ace the exam or blow the presentation, love. When you receive encouraging news or discouraging news, love. God loves you. His banner over you, the sign that hangs over your head is love. Number four, Mark 1.11, speaking to Jesus, and now for us in Christ, God is saying the same thing about us. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved child with whom I am well pleased. It blows my mind to think that God is pleased with me. Why is God pleased with me? Because of what I do? No. No. Because of who I am. I belong to him. I'm his child. My four-year-old, did you see my four-year-old? She's super cute, super precious. Jordan, curly hair. Listen, Jordan could do nothing the rest of her life, okay? If I can be crass, she could be a lazy bum the rest of her life. I wouldn't be pleased with that, (laughs) 
but nothing could stop my song over her. Nothing could stop the fact that I am pleased with her because she belongs to me. So take, so take comfort. Rest secure. You are who he says you are. You are who he says you are. And this identity now, this identity that we have in Christ leads to increasing intimacy. I love how this works, okay? Like now that God knows us and we know him, then there's this ongoing relationship. It's not just a Sunday thing, okay? It's not just like a, a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night thing or a Sunday night thing when we're getting together with our group or student group or, or whatever group, community group, okay? This is an everyday, every moment thing. Like God is a living God and we have a real living relationship with him. And so now everywhere we go, listen, we can hear his voice. Verse 3, the sheep hear his voice. Verse 4, the sheep know his voice. Verses 8 and verse 16, the sheep listen to his voice. What is better than hearing and knowing the voice of God? We, we, we come to, to hear his voice in the words of the Bible, right? But we also walk with the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, nudging us, prompting us, leading us, encouraging us, comforting us, instructing us as we go. Yes, never contrary to the word, but always consistent with what he's already said in the word. But the Holy Spirit is a person. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is not an it? Not just like this like kind of uh, generic force out there that doesn't really care about us. Like the Holy Spirit is a person. He dwells within us and now he's speaking to us if we have ears to hear all throughout the day. This is one of the greatest discoveries of my Christian life. That God is speaking to me and he wants to walk with me day by day by day. God wants this kind of intimacy with you. He does. It's not just for Pastor Tanner. I mean, pray for Pastor Tanner. I want to hear God's voice all the more and more clearly. This is for all of us. Because as we see in verses 14 and 15, look at, look at what Jesus says. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as, look at this, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Can you believe it? The relationship that Jesus, the Son of God, enjoyed with God the Father, he's saying, now, I enjoy this kind of relationship with you. That kind of intimacy. That kind of walk. And I, I know this is like almost like, wow, like this is best thing. Like, you know, you're excited today and like all these great verses and, you know, identity and intimacy. And it's like, but it's so hard to believe, right? Because we, we know how fallen we are. We know how often we fail. We, but listen, this is the beauty of Jesus. Like Jesus was a master teacher, okay? When you come to the Bible, here's the safe assumption, all right? There is more going on here than my eyes can see. Jesus is smoother in his operations than I think he is. Can, can you believe that tomorrow morning? Like Jesus is a smooth operator. Because he is. <laughs> so, like, so like he's not just like a little, it's like Jesus is not just like taking a generic, like, oh yeah, like he was like walking through a field, he sees some sheep and he's talking about sheep. 
I mean, yes, it was a, a prominent part of the culture, and so he's like speaking the language of the people, okay? But he also chooses sheep because sheep were really stupid animals. Just like us. I, I said us, that's right, everyone can. Not everyone don't bad, that's kind of weird. <laughs> Is that you ready? course. Oh, man. The kids have inspired the animal sounds. Listen, sheep would wander off on their own, right? They, they needed constant care, constant attention. They, they would wander off, and the shepherd would have to go and bring them back. And this is the beauty of this relationship. This is the beauty of the voice of God. This is the beauty of saying, just as the father, I have a relationship with him, so I have now a relationship with you, my sheep. Because Jesus sees all of our flaws. He sees all of our failures. And yet he loves us still. This is the beauty of love. And this is the beauty of love in the marital relationship. As we look at the relationship between Christ and his people, we can draw implications for how we should relate to one another as husbands and wives or maybe dating couples or engaged couples or singles but will be in a relationship of people, okay? So what what does this, this mean? Well, Tim Keller puts it like this. I love this quote. In his book, Meaning of Marriage, which is on our resource table, cheaper than you can find on Amazon, you're welcome, This is what he says. When over the years someone has seen you at your worst and knows you with all your strengths and flaws, yet commits him or herself to you wholly, it is a consummate experience. To be loved and not known is comforting but superficial. To be loved, to be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved, well, that is a lot like being loved by God. Wow. Fully known, truly loved. This is how God is with us, and this is how he calls us to be with one another. And so I want to draw out a few implications for our relationships, and I want to give them to you in the form of a challenge, all right? And this is like a real challenge, okay? This isn't like, you know, Pastor Chan put in a sermon and like, you know, who cares, all right? I mean, you may say that, and I still love you, all right? But like, this is a real, like, I want to challenge you to step into this this week, all right? I'm calling it the 45-minute challenge, all right? 45 minutes. And what we're talking about here is quality, deep, below-the-surface conversation, that have absolutely no distractions, all right? No music, no screens, no, no other people interrupting. I mean, I said no music, but you might want to do that. Hey, Siri, can I get some Al Green at the end of the conversation? All right, but like, come on now. Younger generation, just, 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 just you know, Google, Google that, YouTube that. Let's stay together. Oh, come on. <laughs> All right. Now, some of you lost it. I'm sorry. That's bad. I know. All right. So, so in this 45-minute 
in this 45-minute challenge. Here, here are four things. Number one, study your spouse or your significant other. Study them. Are you really paying attention or are you taking them for granted? Do you know what is currently exciting them and currently weighing them down? With this, here's just an encouragement, okay? Think about a premeditated, thoughtful question that will help you get below the surface in like at least one question, maybe more than one. Study them. Know them. Go deeper. Number two, then be vulnerable, not just honest. All right? Vulnerable, not just honest. Okay, so it's like it's one thing to be honest in relationship. It's another thing to be vulnerable. You know what I'm saying? Like we put ourselves out there because love is secure. There is nothing to hide. And so I can share my deepest thoughts with you. I can share my deepest feelings with you. We can enter into the good and the bad and the ugly. And let me just say a note on this, all right? This is encouragement for what it's worth. Um, I do think that dating couples should be a bit careful here, like, like in terms of the level of vulnerability. And the reason I say that is because you're not yet relationally and emotionally one. Now, you may be headed in that direction, okay, and that's great, and we celebrate that, and we want to help you in that, like, go for it, you know what I'm saying? But, like, almost is not there. And so sometimes we, we, we treat it as if we're there, you know what I'm saying, not just relationally, but emotionally and physically and sexually. That's for some in a couple weeks. Um, but almost is not there. And so if, if that's you and that frustrates you, then let me quote, quote the wise philosopher, Beyonce, put a ring on it. <laughs> Come on, the women are clapping. I knew it. I knew the women would clap on that. Mm. Be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. And then, and then listen. And then listen. Speak some words of affirmation. You know, like what you see in them, like call it out. Men, and I'm speaking mainly to married men who have been in this game for a while, all right? Like it's easy to lose the romance after months and years. You know what I'm saying? It's like maybe you need to write a love note, not just because it's Valentine's Day week, but maybe you need to drop a little something, something in there that tells your wife how much you really love them and how your life would be without them. Speak words of affirmation. And then if you really want to take your intimacy and love security to the next level, I would say, pray together. Pray together. And it's funny, it's so funny how this can be like one of the most obvious things that can be so hard. I actually think it's evidence that Satan is real and he doesn't like it when we come together spiritually and when we pray together. But the devil is a liar, right? We don't listen. Like, you don't need to pray with your spouse. Like, again, like I said last week, you know, you did that in a church, you're all set, you know. Like, pray together. Even if it means an extra five minutes, you know, like 45-minute challenge goes to 50 or 55 or have fun. And so God's comforting arms of love bring intimacy out of this new identity, but then there's more good news, okay? Not only can we rest secure in the comforting arms of love, but we can also rest secure in the protective arms of love. The protection of Jesus is all over this passage, 
We see it proactively when it says in verse 4, he goes before them. He charts the path. You can follow me because I'm going to lead you into a safe place. But then we also see how the shepherd protects the sheep against any predators. We see the, the, the possibility of a wolf coming into the flock and snatching or scattering the sheep. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and I will protect my sheep from any predator. And it's like, where do we see this? How does he say that? Okay, here's how it works. Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. And we may think that Jesus is saying, like, that means, like, he's the way to God, and if we want a relationship with God, then it comes through him. Ding, 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 ding. That's absolutely right. But it's not all that Jesus means. Yes, he is the way to God. He's the way into a relationship with God, but he's also our protector. And, and here's, here's how this works, okay? The, the setting here, Jesus, and if you want to get technical, in one through six, he's talking about uh, a, a, a sheep pen, like in a, in a kind of a, a courtyard in a village, okay? But when he moves into verse seven, he goes from the village to the countryside, all right? And so what would happen is Shepherds would create these makeshift pens, okay, stacked up with rocks and stones. They would put thorns over top of them to keep wild animals from jumping over the gates, all right? But then you need to understand that the, there was no, there was an opening at, the, at one part of the circle for the sheep to go in and out, and there was no door. And so how would they be protected when a wolf needed a midnight snack? The shepherd would lay down in front of the door. And the shepherd would say, to get to them, you have to come through me. And Jesus says, I will lay down my life. I am the door. To get to them, you have to come through me. Many of you know that there have been a, a rash of break-ins around Medford over the past couple of weeks. And so this mindset has been serving me really well in my home. To get to, to them, to get to our stuff, you've got to come through me. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so it's led to some conversations, very interesting conversations at night uh, in our marriage where, you know, Marcia will ask me, you know, hey, like, did you lock the doors? Yes, I locked the doors, you know. Um, well, this all just really seems, you know, it's just unsettling to me. And so, you know, I just, you know, the man of the house, you know, like, Hey, listen, I've got you and God's got you. And she looks and she says, I know God's got me, but it's you I'm worried about. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and the Holy Spirit was working in my heart. I said, woman, I will pray and go downstairs in Jesus' name. Come on. Jesus is the door. He protects us, but, but, but it's actually more than that. Like, we see actually two other, like, pieces to this, okay? He, he not just lays down in protection, but he, he says it, listen, five times. Did you catch it? On five different occasions, verse 11, verse 15, verse 17, twice in verse 18, he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. What Jesus is saying is, I will not simply lay across and be the door. I will die in their place on a Roman cross that I can protect them from their ultimate enemy, the enemy of death. 
Jesus five times alludes to his coming crucifixion so that everyone would would come to know that in order to have a relationship with God, in order to have our sins forgiven, in order to be uh, released from the consequences of our sin, which is death, we need him to die in our place. And so I just want to I just want to ask you this morning, and I know, I know how this works. So many times people, they accept the story of Christianity in this kind of like generic, oh yeah, I think that's true kind of way. But there may not be a moment where they say, that's not just true in a generic way, but that is personal for me. And so if you've never said Jesus, thank you for dying, not just in this generic sense, for everyone in the world that would believe in you, but thank you for dying for me. I need your sacrifice. I need your life. I need your forgiveness. I want to be in you. I want to hear your voice. I want to walk in your ways. I want to experience the abundance that you died to bring me. Then what I'm saying is there's no better time than right now. If that's you. And just cry out to God and say, God, I need you. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I'm all in. I hear your voice. I hear your voice right now. I want to follow you. But then Jesus goes on. I'm just going to pick up in verse 25. Look at this. He's, he's in another conversation two months later, by the way, with some other religious leaders. And he says this. They, they're questioning how long we can keep us in suspense. If you're the Christ, why don't you tell us? And Jesus responds in verse 25, I told you and you do not believe. Don't don't be that person. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So just to break that down real quick. If you are in Christ, and you've become his sheep, like you follow him with your life, then Jesus says you are so protected that not only are you in my hand and no one can come and snatch you out of my hand, but you are also in the Father's hand and no one, like, you were doubly secure. You were doubly protective. God says, they will not touch you. I will bring you home. What great hope we have. I love the song that we sang with Taylor. It's like, oh God, nothing, the height, nor death, nor angels, nor demon, nor life, or death, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. And so, so just for a couple minutes to wrap up, what maybe are like in light of the protection of Jesus, right? in light of, of, of how committed he is to our safety and security, what implications might it have for our relationships today? Let me give you just two thoughts that are related, okay? Number one, love frees us. I love this. Love frees us from our insecurities and fears. True love, fully loved, truly known. When someone loves you like that, 
it frees you from fears and insecurities. Why is this so important? Because we all hear the voices and the refrain, right? You don't measure up. You're not good enough. You don't do enough. You're not as beautiful as them. Like anyone done like the quadruple take in the mirror this morning, you know what I'm saying? Like walking down the sidewalk, like, like you're not looking to see who's in the store, you're looking at you. I mean, it's nice to look nice. I'm not saying don't look nice, but like, but why? Like, why? Like, why the quadruple takes? Like, it's like so we, we're concerned about our beauty. We're insecure. You're not as successful as them, right? This comparison game, which is a comparison trap. You don't have as much as them. Your relationship isn't thriving like theirs. And what we do is we compare our lives to the, to the posted lives of our friends on social media, right? And then before we know it, insecurity has us crippled. It's like it just messes us up. We, we can't function. We, we, the way that we think about ourselves and the way that we live and the, the lack of confidence, it, it just starts to overwhelm us. So hear the words from 1 John 4.18. I love this. It says, there is no fear. No fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. And so I just, I listen, I know we live, we live in Boston, Massachusetts, and Boston, I think, is an achiever's paradise. You know what I'm saying? Like, people, like, live in Boston, work in Boston, come to Boston, not just to be good, but to be great, right? To dominate their field. And that, and that can be a, a good and, and great desire, okay? But what can happen is that because of the competition, because of all these smart and successful people, then we start thinking, you know what? Man, I'm not as good as them. I don't do as much as them. The boss doesn't like me like he likes them. But what love says is this. Listen, I don't have to be the smartest or most successful person in my lab, I don't have to make the most money. I don't have to be the sexiest person in the the gym. That's your goal. I don't have to do these things. Why? Because I am who he says I am. Love frees us from our fears and insecurities. And then conversely, I, I love this, like love not only frees us from, but whenever love frees us from, it frees us to something, right? So it frees us from our fears and insecurities to free us to a, a, an ability to move forward with confidence. And so when we, when we hang out in, within the boundaries, just think about this, this wall again. Like when we, we hang out in the boundaries of God's love, then we find security there. But when we start to put our identity or our security in our appearance, then our security can fluctuate with what kind of outfit we wear, you know what I'm saying? Like, or how good of a haircut we got, you know, last week. And, or, or if it depends on our performance, then it can fluctuate with, with how good of a work day or work week we had. When we move outside of those boundaries, that's when fear and insecurity hits us. But when we live within the boundaries, when we live within the knowledge and the experience of the love of God in Christ in the love of the, our spouse or our significant other or the people around us, okay, then we're, we're free to move forward with great, great confidence. 
And so let me, let me end with this right here. As we live in light of love security, there's some really great news with it. Because secure people can fail and move on. Secure people can take risks without worrying if it doesn't go well, like what's going to happen. Secure people can be honest and vulnerable with one another. Secure people can humbly acknowledge when they're wrong. Secure people can receive constructive criticism. I love this next one. Secure people can help other people succeed. And then when they do succeed, they can be really happy about it. They can rejoice with them when they succeed. And last of all, secure people are truly free to love people so that those people can rest in the security of love and give that away themselves. This is what God invites us into when he invites us into a relationship with Christ. And this is what God invites us into with all of our relationships. Let's pray together. Father, I don't know where it is that you want to really draw out something in our hearts this morning. Whether it's just believing that identity peace and all that you've said of us is true, Lord, that we could just believe that more and more and walk in the freedom of who you say we are. Maybe it's that being vulnerable peace, that where we answer that 45-minute challenge this week, drown out the distractions, total focus, getting below the surface with one another, that you would take us deeper. And I love how you do this, God, that you take us deeper with one another and simultaneously deeper with you as we go deeper with one another. And so, God, whatever it is, Lord, maybe today for someone for the first time, they're saying like, wow, God did this for me. He laid down my life, his life for me that they would just say, I I want that. I'm stepping into the life of Christ today. God, whatever it is, whatever decision, whatever step that you want us to take, God, would you empower us and move move us to do it like right now? Lord, we want to hear your voice. We want to follow you as you lead us. And so God, thank you for being our good shepherd. Thank you for speaking and helping us along in life's journey. God, it's all for your name. We want to point to how great you are. Thank you for every person in this room. God, I pray for every single person in this room right now that you would do by your Holy Spirit, you would do what you want to do in them and that they would fully surrender, open hands. God, whatever it is that you want for me and from me, God, my life is in your hands. Lord, give us that kind of posture of heart today. Move us out with confidence in your love, we pray through Christ. Amen.